Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron, Greg, and I are going to be talking about our favorite mountain bike destinations and trails that we rode this year. So, we're going to jump right into it. Greg, what was your favorite place? You rode a lot of places this year, all over the world, really. So, what what was your favorite, your top destinations from 2016? Well, just to give you an overview of what I'm comparing to, um, I wrote a bunch of destinations domestically here in the U.S., including Brevard, North Carolina, uh, during the Single Tracks Meetup, Mammoth Lakes, California, Flagstaff, Arizona, Sun Valley, Idaho, plus like about a half a dozen destinations here in Colorado. And internationally, I also rode six different valleys in the Pyrenees both in Spain and France, Morzine, France in the Alps, Lenzerheide and De Rosa in Switzerland, and Aviemore in Scotland. But out of all of those, I have to say easily my favorite destination was the Pyrenees mountain range. And I just published an article about how awesome I think it is, but Pyrenees is a big area. And specifically, my favorite valley was Benasque Valley, which is basically in the middle of nowhere, which is part of why it was awesome. Um, Just absolutely loved it there. I wrote a roundup of my top five favorite trails from the 11 different rides we did in the Pyrenees. And two of them of the top five were in Benasque Valley. And the third ride we did in Benasque was also friggin' awesome. So it was uh, just an incredible, incredible experience. What else did you like about it beyond the biking? Was there Um, a lot of other stuff to do or interesting culture that you found? Man, the culture was just incredible in the Pyrenees in general. I don't know if Benasque, from my experience, you know, we were only in Benasque for a day. It was a pretty quick whirlwind tour. We did three rides in that one day, but uh, I don't know if Benasque had as much history and culture as some areas, but um, we did stay, well, we stayed in Benasque two days but rode in Ainsa, one of the days that we were staying in Benasque. It's basically just over the ridge. And Ainsa was incredible as far as history. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It has this incredible old town that's basically like a castle. It was just unreal. I've never, I've never experienced history like sort of up close and in your face like that. You know, lots of times when I've been places and wanted to do like a museum tour or something like that, these ancient buildings are turned into like tourist attractions, whereas in Spain, they just keep using them for their everyday lives. Yeah, that sounds really cool. What was the food like in the Pyrenees and the places where you were staying? I mean, the food was, again, incredible. I mean, it's hard to describe because you want to just say, oh, they eat this one type of food, but they eat all kinds of stuff. I mean, we had everything from steak to lamb to duck to pork. I mean, everything under the sun, truly. And it's just so flavorful, though. I mean, and they serve a lot of things where it's just like it's not unheard of, but you don't normally see it like on a menu in the U.S., you know, like leg of lamb or some of those types of things. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So Aaron, you also visited a number of destinations this year. What was tops for you? Well, unlike Greg, I kept it uh, stateside this year. I visited uh, Santa Rosa 
California in early summer, which was a lot of fun. Uh, beautiful wine country. And then probably the only real other destination I went to was Snowshoe, West Virginia. I did a fair amount of racing this year, but I don't know if you'd exactly qualify that as a destination. I would definitely say of all the places I went this year, uh, I had the most fun at Snowshoe. Um, obviously, there's a downhill mountain bike park there, so that's always fun no matter what. It's It's nice to not have to earn your turns, just sit on a chairlift to get back to the top of the hill and just ride downhill all day. The, uh, you know, there's a good amount of elevation there. There's two sides to the, to the park. The, it's pretty interesting because snowshoe actually, the resort itself sits at the top of the mountain, whereas most resorts you go to the resort areas at the bottom and then you ride the chairlift to the top. So this is the reverse of that, which is pretty cool because you just grab your bike in the morning and, you roll down the hill and there's two sides. So the basin side is about 800 feet of elevation. Um, and then the Western territory, they call it uh, on the other side of the ridge is about twice that. So it's I think 16 or 1700 feet of descent. So particularly on the, on the Western side, you can get some decently long runs in. Uh, both sides were a lot of fun. The Western territory had uh, a fair amount of the trails were, were closed because there was a, uh, pro GRT, uh, downhill race going on that weekend. So, uh, many of those were closed off, but the, the basin side just had some amazing technical riding, you know, obviously not a ton of elevation gain, but it was, or loss rather, but it was really steep and just, you know, roots, rocks, everything covered in moss. I also got the chance to ride in, uh, Slady Fork, which is, uh, the town next to, snowshoe i mean calling it a town is a bit of a stretch it's uh primarily just a there's a <laughs> post office there and like a general store and that's about it i don't think anyone actually lives in slady fork so really good backcountry trails there it's just uh it's it's really cool i i wrote an article about it you can go check out on the site um it's called east coast isolation because it really is the most remote i've ever felt on the east coast um you know, it's uh, snowshoes in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia, and you know you don't have cell service there, even when you're on top of the mountain, and you're just surrounded by just the uh, really dense, really green, uh, you know, East Coast woods, forests. So that would be that'd be my favorite um, place that I went this year, and I'm already looking forward to going back next year. Awesome. East Coast for the win. So I grew up on the East Coast. And so for many years, you know, I went through this phase of just really being fascinated with the mountains out West and the Rockies in particular. And, you know, I ended up, I lived out there for several years in Colorado. And even recently, you know, every summer I would go out there like three or four times, um, just, just to go riding and, you know, have different trips. But this year, I ended up sticking close to home and really trying to check out some more East Coast destinations because I feel like yeah, I've kind of neglected that stuff. So for me this year, my favorite destination was actually Brevard, North Carolina, where we did the single tracks meetup. Um, and that's where Pisgah National Forest is. And obviously there are a lot of trails there. You know, if you're familiar with the area at all, you know that there's a lot of technical riding there. Um, and there are, there are some pretty big mountain descents as well, especially for the East Coast. And 
you know, we went up there for the meetup and had such a good time that just two weeks later, Lee and I decided to go back up uh, and spend a weekend for our anniversary and ride some more trails. So really, really impressed with Brevard. There's just, unlike a lot of places on the East Coast, uh, there's really like serious, real mountain bike culture there. You know, they're, they're like cool breweries that are really mountain bike friendly. There are a couple of good shops, which Aaron wrote about in his Dueling Banjos article, uh, Sycamore and The Hub. And then there's just, you know, it's the kind of place where you drive around and you see bikes on every other car and there's just a lot going on. It, it has like a really good energy, more so than any other place, honestly, that I've visited on the East Coast. It reminded me of pulling up to like a mountain town in Colorado. So I was just really pleasantly surprised. And thinking back on it, you know, this wasn't my first time going to Pisgah. The first time that I went was actually almost 20 years ago, I think. Uh, Lee and I, yeah. And so Lee and I went about 20 years ago for the first time. And honestly, we didn't enjoy it. And I think back on that and I realized it's because we weren't, we weren't great riders back then. I mean, I've been riding all 20 of those years in between. And so I think my skills have definitely come up a lot. And so, you know, I was just able to appreciate the trails a lot more. And, and also, you know, I'm the kind of person that if I ride somewhere, like I, I'm going to ride, not going to ride it again for a long time. You know, I, I'm always looking for new trails and trying new trails. And so I think part of that was, you know, just telling myself, Oh, Pisgah, I've done that. You know, I don't need to go back, but going back really, really surprised me and really had a good time. So yeah, that was, that was by far the highlight for me this year. So just throwing something in there quick with the whole East coast theme, Aaron, since you've been to both Brevard and Slady Fork and I've only been to Brevard, can you compare and contrast the two quick? Like what's similar and what's different since, you know, they're both in the Appalachians. They're actually not too dang far apart from each other. Like how do they compare? I would say the the main difference between the two is the climbing in Pisgah tends to be way steeper. You know, at least the the riding that I did in Slady Fork, it was, uh, you know, there were some extended climbs in particular. Um, oh, Bannock Shoals was a really terrible climb. It was about five miles long, but the grade was pretty mellow. Whereas I think in, in Pisgah, you tend to find really steep climbs. Um, oftentimes in Pisgah, you're going to be hike a biking and in terms of how they're similar, you know, they're, they're both in just really lush forests. So even the trails get wet and they stay wet. I mean, it has to be dry for a really long time to have any, you know, dusty trails in either place. I would say that West Virginia riding was probably even more technical just because it's the, I think the forest was even more dense there. Everything was uh, a little bit wetter, at least when I went. And I mean, there are certain sections in Slady Fork where it, it felt like you were riding almost through a bog. You know, you'd be riding along on this carpet of thick moss and you could, you could feel your tires sinking in a couple of inches and just, you know, sucking energy right out of you. So. <laughs> You know, both, both <laughs> destinations can definitely, definitely be soul crushing and both have a, you can definitely get remote in Pisgah, but you have that feeling that you're closer to civilization. Whereas in West Virginia, you're, you're just like, you know, 
you're constantly reminding yourself, like, I was riding alone, so I was doing this. So I was just like, don't, don't do anything stupid. You know, don't get hurt out <laughs> here because no one else is out here. I was riding on a weekday um, in Slady Fork. So, uh, you know, no one else was at the trailhead. I didn't see anyone else on the trails. I only saw one other person, and that was a guy riding a motorcycle when I went out to uh, this overlook when this this trail topped out at the top of a mountain. So, so yeah, I would say that they're similar in a lot of ways. But if you want, you know, if you want more of that mountain bike culture, like Jeff was saying, if you want more to do, then I would definitely recommend Brevard. Um, but in terms of like the quality of trail, they're very close to one another uh snowshoes just definitely a little a little chiller a little more laid back which you know is that's that's cool some people are into that um i will say if you go to snowshoe bring your own food because there's no grocery stores and there's a couple restaurants there but they're only open on the weekends when the lifts are running so if you show up on a you know a monday night with no food you're gonna be hungry how were the views where you rode? Because I know in Pisgah, you know, there are a few spots on some of the trails where you can get views, but most of the time you're just kind of in the forest and not seeing a lot of mountains. So how how does that compare in West Virginia? It's fairly similar. Like I said, there was an overlook or two that you could get to where you had a nice, expansive view. Some of the, the backcountry trails on Snowshoes property itself had some really great views. One in particular, there was a fire tower you could ride out to from the resort and climb up and i think that the tower was like 100 or 150 feet tall and that had amazing 360 degree views so if you're going there take your trail bike for sure because you know downhilling is awesome but it can get expensive so if you want to mix it up and and do some trail riding while you're there as well uh they have they have proper single track trails on their on their property as well so I'd, I'd recommend checking that out but i mean you know both places it's it's you know it's the east coast you don't get the you know the stunning above tree line views that you get out west just because you don't ever get above tree line right on so now i want to talk about our favorite trails that we rode in 2016 greg i'm sure you rode at least a few dozen trails so what was tops for you yeah, this was a hard one, um, but I think my favorite trail was called the Welsh Tobol Trail in Switzerland. This trail began with a two-ride series to get to the top of mountain way above Sri Lanka. We went up a gondola and then up a tram, and then we dropped down into a valley. And then from there, we're already high above Sri Lanka. We proceeded a hike a bike for about an hour or so to gain the top of this ridge. And then from there, we crossed another couple of mountain ridges before dropping into this just absolutely stunning valley that is like out of a dream, you know, and it was almost all above tree land. We got down into the trees towards the very bottom of the valley, but just ringed by rocky, gnarly, like intimidating peaks, you know, technical trail, steep, loose. It was just, just truly fantastic. You know, one of those trails where you're like, I wish this would just go on and on and on, you know, um, but then it's it's <laughs> over and you're sad. Um, but I have pictures to look back on, so that's good. What about you, Aaron? What's your favorite trail? Well, I want to talk about some maybe some of my favorite rides um, before I get into some favorite trails. Uh, I, you know, Ooh, I've got a favorite ride, too. I'll share that later. 
So, um, as I mentioned earlier, I did, I did quite a bit of racing this year. I actually got a coach and did some training and, you know, got fast for me, which was awesome. Um, but the Transylvania Epic, which is a stage race up in Pennsylvania that I've done the past two years, great trails, uh, great, you know, I guess that's mid Atlantic, but I guess it's still East coast riding really technical, lots of rocks, same kind of stuff we've been talking about. And I actually did pretty well that week. So I, on stage three, which was the Enduro day, the Galbraith Enduro, I got third in my category. So that was pretty awesome because, you know, it's, uh, going downhill fast and that's what I like to do. So I was stoked to get third on that stage. And then, Stage five was, I, I don't know if I consider it fun, but it was definitely memorable. Um, so stage five was the last day of the race. And stage four, it had been hot and dry all week. And then stage four, it poured on us all day long. And then stage five, it poured on us all day long as well. And it was just, it was a rough day. People were crashing all over the place because there was, you know, there were so many rocks and you know, it was, it was muddy, it was wet, it was slick. And yeah, people were breaking themselves and breaking their bikes and <laughs> just, you know, you saw a lot of sad faces that day, but I kind of thrive in shitty conditions. So, and I had found out the previous day that I was only, I was in seventh place overall, I think. And there was only a, a couple minutes between me and fourth place. So if I could make up a couple minutes on that last day, then I would get fourth place overall. So I just uh, went for it from the beginning, just, you know, hammered my brains out and I had marked the people that were ahead of me. I'd rolled around the start and made sure I saw their numbers and what kit they were wearing and made sure that they were not going to get around me <laughs> on that last day or I was going to blow up trying. So yeah, it was, it was a really tough day. I actually crashed really hard on this rocky ridge and thought I broke my hip. Like I, I, you know, it was searing white hot pain and it, that was, I still had about 15 miles to go after that. So one of the sections immediately after where I crashed was the, one of the rockiest, gnarliest sections that we rode all week, including the enduro day. And, you know, I was not on an enduro bike by any <laughs> means. I was on a, uh, four inch travel cross country bike. And, uh, it was, I would say harrowing almost, <laughs> um, you know, my hip was just aching as throbbing and I just wanted to finish. And I ended up, um, you know, powering through and I got third on that stage and I ended up fourth on the week overall. So that was on Cooper's gap is the, is the name of the trail system that we were riding. So that was uh, probably some of my one of my most memorable rides, at least in a, in a good way, I guess. I have some probably my uh, least favorite ride of the year was Oram this year because uh, yeah, I, I went out too hard at the beginning. I was trying to get a Oram for those that don't know is an endurance race in Western North Carolina. It's about sixty two miles or so and eleven thousand feet of climbing, so it's a really tough day on the bike and. Started out way too hot, was on a good pace for a while, and then just completely detonated and had to lay in a ditch on the side of the road until someone came and picked me up and took me back to town. So that was a terrible day on the bike. But in terms of favorite trails, I got to ride some really fun um, 
shall we say, unofficial trails out in Santa Cruz and Santa Rosa while I was there. So that's all I'll say about that. But probably my favorite trail that I rode this year, single favorite trail, uh, and it's one I've done before, but it's it had been several years, was Farlow Gap, and that's in Pisgah. And for those that don't know or haven't heard of Farlow Gap, it was voted as one of the most technical trails, according to our, our readers. And it's not that long. It's maybe, I don't know, three to four miles in length total, but it's just this heinous rock garden, super techie, like lots of, you know, high consequence kind of stuff. And I actually wrote it the day after Thanksgiving with my buddy Christopher, and it was also covered in leaves because it's the fall. So <laughs> that only added to the uh, squirrely factor. But uh, we both made it through in one piece, and it's just one of those trails when you finish it, you pat yourself on the back because you really feel like you accomplished something. You know, you, you make it down one section, you look back up the hill, and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I just rode down that. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, if uh, if you're planning a trip to to Brevard, to Pisgah, and you want to see, you know, some of the most technical trail this side of the Mississippi, then then definitely check out Farlow Gap. Yeah, and one of my favorite rides of the year that I was going to mention uh, is, I'm told, the second most difficult in Pisgah, and that's called Laurel Mountain. And we did that with a big group as part of our single tracks meetup. And we did a loop with several trails. Laurel Mountain was sort of the entree of that ride. But my favorite part of that ride actually ended up being, or my favorite trail on that ride was Pilot Cove Slate Rock Trail, which is kind of the last bit of single track uh, that we did on that day. And I was riding a four inch travel cross country bike. I, I probably had the, the least travel of any bike in our group. And so that trail though, it wasn't quite as steep as Laurel Mountain, but there were still a lot of like interesting features and obstacles on it. And I was riding my converted Santa Cruz tall boy, which had the plus tires on it. So I think it was like perfect bike for the trail kind of situation. And yeah, I just loved blasting down that one. There were like a number of trees and like weird creek crossings and stuff. And so, yeah, it just felt like, you know, it's just a really fun trail to go down and, you know, pick lines and stuff. And I don't know, I, I really enjoyed that one. One of the, the guides on our trip or on that ride, I forget, how did she describe that trail? She said it was like cross country pedally or something, but that's not how I would describe it at well, all. She, she was talking about um, Squirrel Gap, which we ended up cutting out. She described it the same way she described oh. <laughs> Squirrel Gap. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same way. So, yeah, she was saying that. And from what I, yeah, from that description, I was like, oh, geez, this sounds like it's going to be a real slog. But it was the trail mostly pointed downhill. And, you know, there's just a lot of like fun little features to like get air off of. And yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And then. Another one of my favorites, which uh, I've written about and probably mentioned on here, was the Mountaintown Creek Trail in Georgia. Um, I did that for the first time this year as part of the Single Tracks Brutal Loop, uh, which is an annual event now. So be sure to put that on your calendar for April 29th. 29th, 2017. 2017. Uh, we'll be riding that trail again. But yeah, I, I love that trail. I mean, it's it's my favorite trail in Georgia now just because it's it's really different. It's a really long descent that's got like a backcountry feel to it. And 
yeah, it honestly reminds me of some of the stuff you could get into in Colorado. Like when you get into some of these little valleys and, and hollows that you run through gullies, I guess yeah. this is what they call them. Gulches. I don't know. There's <laughs> a lot of different words for it, but that's kind of what it is. It's like a real narrow, almost a canyon that you're riding through, uh, but, yeah. it, but it is forested and yeah. It was kind of similar to, I would say, almost like uh, the Agate Creek descent that we did last summer with you, Greg, off of uh, the Monarch Crest. Not quite as rocky, but it kind of had that feel to it. Just, you know, sustained, steep sections, a lot of, uh, you know, you crossing the creek. And as you get further down the mountain, it gets wider and wider and wider. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really beautiful. Like, I just remember we did it around the same time, you know, late April, early May. And yeah, I just remember like there's wildflowers and yeah, it was really lush and, you know, the stream was running and yeah, it was just, it was just really pretty, but also like a really fun descent. So springtime in Georgia. Yes. Be there. Oh uh, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I, that's, that's still one of my favorite trails of all time as well. And I love showing, showing that trail off and taking new people on it, which is the reason I put the brutal loop together in the first place. And I've actually... Apart from the time that, you know, we did it as the single tracks brutal loop. I've also taken a few other groups down it and, and I really like it's, it's really cool to see people's faces when they get to the bottom of it. You know, you tell them that you're going to have to climb 13 miles of gravel to get there. And, you know, they're probably hating me and cursing my name and wondering how this could possibly be worth it. But I've never. I've never taken anyone down that trail that ended up disappointed. <laughs> Maybe Chris Kelly because he's gotten hurt. But <laughs> <laughs> but then he did it again the next year, That's, so yeah. it was all good. All right. So, Greg, you mentioned that you had a favorite ride apart from your favorite trail. What, what was that ride about? Yeah, I'm going to sort of flip the, uh, flip the equation a little bit here. My favorite ride of the year was about 55 miles and only had maybe 9 or 10 miles of single track in it. So most of it was dirt roads, but that was my uh, first ever overnight bikepacking trip, which by all like objective standards was like really mellow. You know, we did about 25 plus miles per day, uh, which isn't much by bikepacking standards. And it was all pretty chill, like dirt road, but it was just an absolutely incredible experience in like other factors. Like it was just the fall leaves were changing at absolute peak. You know, we had an incredible campfire that evening with beautiful mountain views. Uh, you know, we just spent two days just chilling in the mountains and taking our time and sort of soaking it in. For me, at least that's different than a lot of the rides that I do, which is sort of what we're describing, you know, which are like, we do some crazy epic descent, we almost die, and then we make it in, it's awesome. And the bikepacking trip was sort of the polar opposite of it, but just so good to just sort of kind of revel in being out in the middle of nowhere and not having anywhere to be except riding my bike and camping and making food around the fire. So that was definitely my my favorite of the year, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so it sounds like we had a number of diverse mountain bike experiences this year, and we were able to hit a lot of interesting destinations and trails. And hopefully next year, we'll get to do the same and have the same conversation at the end of the year. So that's all we have this week. Thanks for joining us on the Single Tracks podcast. Talk to you again next time. Peace.